I want to contextualize your podcast for me. So when I discovered it, I remember I heard the first episode when you and your friend Colleen were saying, yeah, this is just for us to keep us accountable. We need to talk to each other. It's the pandemic. We used to talk in the coffee shop and now we will just do it in the podcast. And ever since I I listened to it, it, fe- it felt like I'm listening to two of my friends talking to each other and sharing the things that I was very afraid to share about founder journey or entrepreneurship. So that's how I discovered you. And I loved your podcast ever since. Oh, thank you. It's, I think we're still surprised that other people like listening to us sometimes. We we wanted to sort of peel back a little bit on what it's like to run or start a small software company and kind of demystify it a little bit, but also maybe, you know, most of us don't know anybody in our everyday lives who is also doing this weird internet business thing and, and try to make other people feel less alone, but at the very least make ourselves feel less alone and force us to regularly talk to each other. Yeah, that's a great commitment, actually. You, you've been doing it already for more than a year, right? Yeah, we started the last, the, the first episode, I think, went out the end of July in 2020. So we're at about 15 months now of uh, every week. Amazing. I also listened to yesterday's episode and I I got this feeling that you are getting maybe not burnt out, but a bit overwhelmed by a lot of things. And now listening to this, it feels like how, how much podcast is actually taking time from your day-to-day life. So I think it's not necessarily the podcast itself that's taking up a lot of time. It's that I have a lot of things going on that are taking up a lot of time. Um, and also I'm doing a lot of recording lately because I'm recording an audiobook version of my book and that's coming out as a weekly private podcast, which I decided to do that just to force myself to get it done so that the, you know, if people are paying for it to come out every week, I feel like I have to do it and it's not just my own internal deadline. So I have that going on and that's just like a lot of talking to myself into a mic. And then Colleen also challenged me to do this podcast book tour with 20 episodes. And I think I'm at like 10 right now or nine or 10. Um, Feels like so many more. And so I've just been doing a lot of podcasting, a lot of recording lately. So a big thing that's taking up a lot of time for writing is, you know, I I moved to Denmark last year. And so now I'm in Danish language school twice a week. So it's basically sort of all day Monday and Friday between the classes and the driving. And I was listening to the episode that she did with Nadia, the founder of Storygraph, on my way to Danish class a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was about a month ago. And normally I, you know, listen to the news or I listen to a lot of like economics podcasts. But instead I was listening to that one one day and I got out of the car and I was like, I feel good right now. Like I just talk to a friend, kind of what you you were saying about listening to our show for you is like listening to your friends talk. I got that feeling out of listening to our show. And for me, that was kind of this light bulb moment because it was like really fun to be a fan of my own show 
Like, because I didn't know it was going to happen. Like, you know, sometimes I listen to our episodes. I'm like, oh, like, did that come out the right way? Like, did that come weird? Or, you know, but like, it's not, I don't listen to it as I would any other podcast. But that was different because it was just like listening to a podcast, except this is with one of my like really good friends and she's interviewing this really interesting person. And like, I, 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 I just, I just felt so refreshed by it. Um, and, and so I think we're kind of pivoting our approach a little bit, partly to give me some breathing room um, and also Colleen some breathing room because now she's co-founder of two companies or founder of one of them and co-founder of the other one. Um, but also just selfishly, like I really like being a fan of my own show and I want more of Colleen interviewing other people because it was just really fun for me. Um, so, so we're going to do that. For, for a little while <laughs> I loved uh, that episode and I actually got inspired from it I always think to kind of build something but that episode kind of inspired me to take a break from all the ideas and just interview people like interview my target audience for whom I want to build the product and go on some kind of customer interview hiatus and then come back with a better idea and better understanding of what I will build. So that episode was a very good one. I think, I think with the, what's the magic of your podcast is like, for example, I joined a lot of communities, right? Like on Discord, on Slack, on different platforms. It's main, mainly for founders to help each other, support each other, right? And I have question, like like Colleen has, like should I go and build this feature or should I redo um, landing page? And if I post that on a regular community, people will say like it will be very out of context. And when I'm listening to your episode, you're not just giving this random advice. You are, as you mentioned, peeling back the layer of why do you want to build that? Maybe you are building the feature because it's your comfort space. So I think that kind of extra layer of vulnerability is what makes the show special for me, at least. I guess as I think about it, you know, when Colleen comes to me with a problem, for example, like my role just as a as a friend is not to tell her what to do it's to help her think and and not necessarily towards any you know you know she has a goal and so so whatever sort of come up with should should serve that goal but like i guess i just try to go into it without my own agenda and maybe i have some experiences that are relevant that you know, if it if if it helps her think, then I bring them in. But it's, I don't know, my role isn't to give her advice and tell her what to do, just like I would any other friend. It's just to simply help them think and sort of, I guess, assume that the answer is already within her somewhere. And it's just a matter of figuring out, like, which of those answers that she already has is going to help her accomplish what she wants to do and help her see if there's other you know, nooks and crannies that she needs to look in, uh, in her thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing with a lot of founders. They have this internal clarity inside of them hiding somewhere, but it's under a lot of layers of expectations. And what should I, should I maintain this image of a very successful founder on social media or something like that? And that's, and again, with your show, I'm just like geeking out about your show for 15 minutes straight. <laughs> and your show is kind of helping you to 
kind of see within yourself. Yeah, I, this show it, it takes a very special place in my heart. Like every Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday. There is a new episode of Software Social. <laughs> I gotta go and listen to oh, it. <laughs> that's that's really nice to hear, and it it makes me feel like the the time that we um, do set aside for it and the time zone challenges we both overcome since we're now nine hours apart um, are real are really worth it. That's I think I th- I think one of the goals we had starting out was to, um, I don't know, I guess, inspire other people and make it feel like running a software business was possible for them. Um, and, and so that's really nice to hear. Yeah. And let's talk about your book because it's actually very interesting. It really tied in with your podcast because, um, running a software business without making sure that you learn a lot about your customers and know how to properly talk to them, it's hard and challenging to say the least. And so when I I, I got exposed to your book through your podcast, of course, and um, I thought that this will be like any other book about entrepreneurship or any other book about building a business or like lean analytics or lean startup, a lot of, a lot of basically theory. But when I got your book, I understood that I can apply it like right away. So maybe tell, uh, tell us how, how did you got exposed to the customer interview as as a science, maybe I don't know mm, how to call it. Like as a more in a more structured way. Yeah. yeah. So my, I mean, my first exposure to it was through Geocodio when we launched it, and just got, um, we got a ton of feedback early on, and 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 listening to that feedback, um, was really helpful for us in our early growth. And before I had built products, really just without talking to any customers at all. And it was, you know, oh, the boss says we should build this. Okay, let's go build it. Like, that's what we did. Or like, oh, we have this problem ourselves and we'll just build it. And we didn't really do a lot of any customer interaction. Um, And so I had this kind of like bubbling interest in it. And then through work, I had the opportunity to work with um, somebody who, who basically has a PhD in UX um, who is a researcher and working with her and um, another person or two other people actually who were both um, experienced designers and, and researchers and, and one is sort of a design leader. Um, they really taught me how to interview and I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to work with them and the opportunity to learn from them and really learn it in a very structured, um, rigorous way. And also because we were interviewing people in a personal finance context, um, how we conducted the interviews and how we behaved in those interviews and how we asked the questions was incredibly important because people um, are very usually very private about their personal finances and how they make those decisions. So building rapport with customers was very important in those interviews. Um, and so that forced me to really dig deep on understanding how to do them correctly and also just having this exposure to, um, you know, people with with tremendous experience in the field was was really, really helpful for me. 
I, I want to tell you how I uh, would do it, do a customer interview in 2019. Uh, so you can see the difference between me in 2019 and me yesterday, basically. Uh, so I had a startup in the beauty industry that unfortunately flopped. And at the time we were doing a lot of customer interviews with beauty technicians specifically. So how and me and my co-founder did it, we created a huge survey, like with multiple choice answers. So people will, will select like scale from one to five, how inconvenient is your current solution, blah, 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 something like that. And at the end we will say, thank you. And if you want to talk to us further, like let us know, we will contact you. And basically, now looking back to it, I we were making a survey based on our assumptions of our future product, like basically guiding them into the answer that we wanted to hear. <laughs> and then even, even the people we contacted to, we were basically trying to figure out how to fit our product into their day-to-day -day life, how to push this one product out and how to fit our product in. And Yesterday, I did a test interview with someone who I met on your Discord. And basically, I just took a step back and I tried to listen to his story. And that's tremendous difference. Now, now I can, I can say maybe five things why he chose the product that he chose. And now I can say 10 things why customers that we recruited for our previous startup would choose us over our competitors. It sounds like you've really, uh, I mean, you've really been able to apply it and you saw that you were sort of, you know, starting from having a solution in mind and then how do I get people to like this solution and convince them that this is the solution for them is a very different perspective from, I'm really interested in what frustrates beauty technicians. How can I figure out what they're frustrated by? And then maybe that'll give me some ideas for things that I could build for them to make that easier for them like there it's just a total you're, you're, it's totally flipping the way that you approach building a product and it sounds like you've been able to make that switch and find some really interesting things in the process yeah and i think um what other problem maybe that we did we also started with market research rather than customer research and we were basically hunting down people who were using our competitors with this again, desire to push out this product and place our product into place of our competitor. So I guess that also is, was maybe a problem for us at that time, at least. I, I think there's a role for different kinds of research when you're exploring a business or, you know, you already have one and you want to understand it, right? Like there's a role for, for market research in there. There's an, and competitor research. There's a role for surveying. There's a role for customer interviews. Um, all of these things need to work together, though. Um, and, and, and I think it really has to start with an interest in, in a space. And, and, but, but approaching it from the perspective of what are the problems and then figuring out, you know, okay, and then there's maybe these 10 different solutions we could come up with. And then kind of going and research from there rather than saying we have this solution what is a market that would use it? How do we convince that market to want it? Like, they're just very different approaches to building a business. And, you know, I mean, interviewing people who use a competitor can be a fantastic uh, learning opportunity. Um, they all sort of need to work together and it needs to start from the perspective of what are the customers already trying to do and how can we do help them do it better? 
uh, or easier or cheaper or faster, um, you know, sort of rather than, you know, oh, this idea just come, came to us one day. Let's convince people to want it. I think uh, when you flip it, you understand you will um, need more time talking to your customers than you actually need. And sometimes when you want to build something very fast, like I want to launch it in two months, I need to know what I will build right now. So uh, sometimes those two ideas come at odds together and you want to just launch something. But if you want to build truly customer-centric product, you need to spend that time with people that are going to use it. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think interviewing customers takes a lot of time, but you said you had a failed startup in 2019 and it takes a lot of time to build a failed company too, right? Like if you just launch right into building a product without really understanding the customer needs and their problems, extrinsic of the product, um, you could spend six months building something and to have no one use it or you could have spent three months interviewing people and then three months building something small that builds that solves part of that problem and then have customers. In both cases, you've spent six months, but you have a much more successful business with one of those. And actually, there's academic research behind this, too. I think there's, there's a study done in Italy. Um, Adam Grant talks about this in his new book, Think Again. And there was a, they put entrepreneurs into different groups. And there was one group where they didn't talk to customers and another group where they did. And they sort of built prototypes with the customers. And the group that integrated customers from the beginning had much higher revenue at the end of the study period. Yeah. And those are the numbers for people who, who don't want to start customer interviewing now. And, and, and those <laughs> like, happened in the same period of time. And so, you know, you know, would you rather spend six months working on something and have customers at the end of it or spend six months and not have customers? I want to talk a bit more about your podcast here. So what made you monetize the podcast uh, with advertisements? Because the other day I was thinking, oh, if um, Software Social had a Patreon of co or coffee page where I can like just contribute $2 a month um, without even getting a ton in return, like special episodes or anything like that, I would be very happy. So what made you choose advertisement other than like membership? Uh, it wasn't an intentional choice. <laughs> so we initially didn't have ads on it. Um, and it was sort of this like fun hobby project for the both of us. And then um, late last year, Balsamic reached out to us asking to sponsor. And we kind of went back and forth on whether we should take advertisers. Well, I guess Colleen was like, yes, let's let's take it. And then and I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, this is really fun for us. Like if we um, have advertisers, it's, it's going to feel more like work. Is it going to feel like an obligation? Like, is that going to change how we feel about doing this? You know, is it going to, you know, and, and I, I sort of hemmed and hawed and she's like, dude, I'm consulting. Like, I'm trying to get this sass off the ground. Like, I, you know, I understand that like, you know, things are good for you, but like, Come on. And I was like, okay, yeah, fair. So we started out with the balsamic ads. Um, and then, yeah, and then have been selling ads since. And 
you know, upping the rates pretty pretty consistently. And and so it wasn't necessarily that we like sort of sat down and were like, what are all of the different ways that we could monetize this podcast? And said advertising, Patreon, you know, conference business, I don't know, who knows, like all the other options, right? Like we it, it wasn't like we did that. It was just more of like, hey, there's this opportunity and Balsamic wants to pay us. Like, okay, I guess we'll take their money. So, so I mean, there could be other ways we we do it in the future. You know, we had an episode a couple months ago where we talked about how much both of us would love to have some sort of like, I don't know, you know, really know if we've conceptualized it, but like sort of incubator thing, fun thing uh, in the future at some point, very hypothetical, very, you know, sort of bushy and unclear and maybe a nonprofit, unclear, like all that. I don't know. Um Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, we have ads because people want to pay us. Um, and I think also a lot of our listeners are, you know, I think they're, they're getting businesses off the ground themselves. And certainly many of them, um, have successful businesses, but, um, I think more of them, um, don't, or they, you know, it's a side project stage or they're just in a discovery phase or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely in a struggle uh, period rather than sort of product market fit um, phase. And I think I think I would kind of feel bad taking money from them, even if they were willing to pay me, um, you know, just like taking donations from them. I guess it just sort of feels wrong to me. Um, but, you know, maybe at some point we'll, you know, do something where we like sell t-shirts or something and, you know, maybe the t-shirts cost us $10 and we sell them for 15, uh, something like that, you know? Um, but yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with people having a Patreon or taking donations or whatnot. It's just like, for me personally, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. First of all, give us a hoodie with logo or something like I demand it now I will start a campaign on Twitter I'm in Lithuania it's raining right now I need that hoodie a nice cozy fleece hoodie well yeah, if you want if you want to tweet that out and see if other people would buy them uh you're welcome to to do the uh the research for me on that and uh customer research <laughs> I have to spend the rest of today recording the audiobook. So, uh, but if you want to do that uh, and get back to me, let me know. That's that's fine. It can be a it can be a fan uh, initiative. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like I I will wear that hoodie every day. Like when I'm going out for groceries, I will wear it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's actually it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty gray and cold here in Denmark. So I would wear it too. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I'm actually uh, I'm looking out at the Baltic right now from from where I sit. So it's almost like I could. Well, if I sort of went around a few corners in the ocean, I could uh, I could wave to you. I could I could send you a message in a bottle. Maybe I could get a really big, uh, you know, water jug size bottle and put that sweatshirt in it and it'll float over to you in Lithuania. I, I love this idea. Definitely think you have one paying customer. <laughs> And the second thought, like the incubator, 
Um, I think this also is a great idea. Of course, it will take a lot of time, but I can totally see where where you will you don't need to necessarily actually provide a lot of educational material, at least in my universe, like if I'm ideating right now about your incubator, it can be just like connecting people with like a less experienced founder with more experienced founder to have conversations like you have. Mm. Well, if that's actually the, the, the point, I mean, I feel like Founder Summit does that quite well. Um, like they, they have, you know, mastermind groups. I was a mentor of one last fall where it's like a group of like maybe – five people who are at the same business stage and then um, an experienced founder who has insight into that business stage uh, being the facilitator. Um, and so if that's what you're after, you should just join the Founder Summit online community. Oh my God, one more community. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it definitely feels like for me a- – um, when you said in the beginning that no one in your friend group really knows what this online business thing mm-hmm. is, um, I kind of related to that. Not that my friends don't know what um, building online business is, but they are just very busy with their own. But but basically, I think this idea of having a senior senior founder in the air quotes who knows, who have walked a path and have a direct connection to them one-on-one where you can be open and vulnerable is very important for founders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, one of the reasons why Colleen and I initially really connected with one another was because like she was really the only person besides my husband I knew in my daily life who really like got it. Like, you know, my other friends, mm-hmm. you know, they know we run a software business. That's just two of us from home. Like, but Colleen really understood it and she was also part of that world but also like at the time like we lived like two neighborhoods away from each other and our kids went to the same school and it was like so she was somebody that was both a part of my everyday family neighborhood social life but also she understood this whole like internet business world that most of the other parents standing at the soccer field you know, I'm sure they would, they would, they would mm-hmm. listen to me about it, but like, it wasn't also their world. And I think that really makes a difference to have a, a friend who, who is in that space and, and, and really special. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming here where people can learn about you, your podcast and your um, book. Yeah. So, um, well, you can, find out all that stuff just by going to me on Twitter, basically. So uh, at MJW Hansen um, on Twitter, you can um, find links to my book, deployempathy.com. Um, Geocodio is geocod.io, as I say, like the fish, geocod.io. Oh, um, <laughs> um, and, and yeah, and Software Social is at softwaresocial.dev. Amazing. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for having me. It was really fun chatting with you.